Let us join in hearing the word of God. And if you're able, please stand to show reverence to our Lord. Our Old Testament reading this morning is Daniel 3, verse 8 through 18. Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. They declared to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music to fall down and worship the image that I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who would deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. And our New Testament reading is Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 through 12. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. morning. Uh, please bow with me in prayer for the word. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness to us. We thank you, Lord, that you are a God who is always with us. Lord, as we hear your word, Illuminate your truth, the truth, Lord, into our hearts, into our lives, 
through your Holy Spirit that we as your disciples, as your followers, may live according to your word and your truth every day in our lives. We pray this in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Today is the International Day of Prayer for Persecuted Christians. And so our sermon topic is kind of flowing from our discipleship series still. It's about being a disciple of Christ and following Christ at all costs. Yet we also think about the many Christians, our brothers and sisters around the world, who are being persecuted even now, every day, for their faith in Christ and because they follow Christ. Every year, millions of Christians are persecuted and thousands are imprisoned and even, even killed uh, for their faith. Even in countries where public uh, freedom of religion is expressed, there are still countries that use intimidation tactics. They intimidate Christian leaders. They intimidate worshipers, Christians, from even, even gathering. And so they vandalize church property and burn buildings. They threaten people. They humili humili humiliate them. They falsely accuse them. According to Christianity Today, every day 13 Christians worldwide, every day, are killed because of their faith. Every day 12 churches or Christian buildings are attacked, and every day 12 Christians are unjustly arrested or imprisoned, and another five are abducted. At a ratio of one in eight Christians worldwide face persecution, and in Africa that number goes up to one in six and in Asia, two out of five Christians are persecuted every day. According to Open Doors 2021 World Watch List, there are over 340 million Christians that are persecuted every year. There are 4,761 Christians that are killed every year for their faith, 4,488 4, churches and other Christian buildings that are attacked every year, and there are 4,277 believers that right now are detained without trial, arrested, sentenced, and imprisoned. And so today, we recognize and we remember these who are our brothers and sisters, that we remember them, not just to weigh on our conscience just today for a moment, but to remember that they are our family. They are part of our community. They are part of the larger church, the body of Christ. And so let us gather our hearts this morning as we think of them, as we pray to them, as we lift up our hearts for them before the Lord. And so as we hear the word of God this morning, let us do it in light of as we think about our brothers and sisters. These numbers, they are confounding. You know, and I was doing this research, I thought, this is just incredible. Incredible in a, in a bad way. How many Christians are persecuted? How many Christians are imprisoned falsely? How many Christians are threatened? How many Christians have to give up their lives to follow Christ? But this is not something that should be surprising to us. Because the Bible lays out for us so much. The cost of being a disciple. 
the cost of following Christ. Jesus himself says that the cost of following him would be our very lives. He said that the world will hate us because the world hated him and that the world will persecute us just as the world persecuted him. And if the world persecuted and hated and even crucified our Savior, how can we expect the world to treat us any differently? In today's New Testament passage, Jesus makes it clear that his followers will be persecuted. And the wording that he uses, he says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. So it is clear that those who follow Christ will be persecuted. In fact, throughout the New Testament, in the letters of the apostles, each recognize that persecution is part of the life of a disciple of Christ. Addressing suffering, including persecution, Peter, in his epistle, he says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. In his letter, John says, Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. And when addressing Timothy in his ministry in this world, Paul tells us, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So it is clear that in this world, As Christians, as followers of Christ, our allegiance and our faith in Christ, it will be tested. We will be persecuted. And how that persecution looks and and our situation and circumstances, it will be different. But the Bible clearly tells us that we will be tested and persecuted for our faith in Christ. We should expect it. Yet so many Christians often want to avoid any type of suffering. They want to avoid any type of persecution. They want to ignore this part of following Christ. We often forget that our cost of discipleship is, as Jesus tells us, to deny ourselves, to daily take up our cross, and to follow him. Many of us who, especially in countries like America, who live with religious freedom, who live with the comfort of being able to gather, as we do this morning, to join with the saints freely, without persecution, without threat, to worship God as we do so. Sometimes we forget how much it costs, how much it costs others, how much it costs other brothers and sisters around the world. But we, just as they are, are called, no matter where we live, no matter what our circumstance is, we are called to follow and love Christ with all of our hearts every single day. We are called to surrender ourselves completely to him in daily worship. And though it is a cost to follow Christ for those who have truly recognized the grace in which we have been saved, those who have recognized our Savior, Jesus Christ. It is not a cost that we take with burden, with bitterness, with anger, but it is a cost that we gladly take because we love our Lord. So then why is persecution 
such a hard thing for some of us. Maybe we want to avoid suffering and we want to endure persecution because we think it's a bad thing. Being persecuted is bad. It's a horrible, horrible thing. And we don't want to endure that. And in many ways, it is bad. Psychologically, mentally, emotionally, sometimes physically. It is afflicting to us. Yet it is not a bad thing. In fact, as we'll look at uh, a little later, Jesus says that for those of you who are persecuted, he says rejoice. He tells us to rejoice in our persecution. Perhaps we think that it is something negative to us, something that takes away from us, or maybe even something that will cause us to turn away from Christ. If we are truly persecuted, maybe we think, maybe, what if I don't, what if I don't, what if I give in? What, what if I don't choose Christ and I turn away? Maybe we're afraid that there's something in us, something in our lives, something that we're clinging to that perhaps we love more than Christ. Since we know as Christians, we should love Christ the most. We should value him the most. We should treasure him the most. And as long as our faith in Christ stays hypothetical, as long as we don't actually have to endure this persecution, then we can live with comfort, thinking, well, I have faith in Christ. I come to church every week. I do the right things. And so, yeah, I, I, you know, I love Jesus the most. But let us examine our hearts this morning as we think about those who are persecuted, who actually give their lives to stay steadfast in the faith. Persecution isn't to be avoided and as the Bible tells us, for Christians who truly follow Christ, it in fact cannot be avoid, avoided. All Christians will be persecuted and we will endure these times of trials because of Christ. But Scripture also reveals that in these times of trial and suffering and persecution, that those who truly follow Christ will not fall away from him but as we will see, in fact, those who are persecuted will become more dependent on him. They will come to him even more. They will cling to him even more. We will learn that those who are persecuted will not end up in bitterness and sadness and depression, but that they will learn to rejoice truly in the Lord. And it is through persecution that our Lord is magnified and glorified. So first, I want to take a look at persecution and the fact that as Christians, when we endure persecution, our faith becomes more steadfast and we become more dependent in Christ. In fact, we become more bold and we become more faithful in our faith. Through the passage in our Old Testament in Daniel, a lot of us, I think, are probably familiar with this story about the three friends of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And in the former chapters, we read about their trial against, you know, these you know, bad Babylonians, these heathens, these pagans who don't know God. And it's a test of their faith. Will they continue to worship God? Will they continue to serve God? Will they continue to follow his commands, right? His dietary laws. Will they continue to do these things? And we see in today's passage that another test is given to them, a test that will see whether they will continue to worship the Lord 
even with the burning, fiery furnace in front of them? Would they be willing to give their lives to continue to only worship God? And so we read that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they boldly stand up to this great king, Nebuchadnezzar, at the cost of their lives. And we have to ask, what made them so bold? Was it because they were so uh, self-righteous, right? They were so hard-headed, they were just so full of themselves and arrogant that they could not let this, you know, guy who's, you know, he's just like a heathen, pagan king, they're not going to let him rule their lives. They're not going to let him tell them what to do. And so they're just going to go against everything he says. Or does their boldness come from God himself? From knowing their identity as followers. Knowing that this world is not the end. That they will spend eternity with God in heaven. That is where their boldness came from. I love how King Nebuchadnezzar, he it feels like he, you know, he feels so sorry, right, for, for these three friends. And he's trying to give them another chance. He says, all right, come, come on, Shadrach, Meshach, all right, I'm going to give you another chance. I, I think there's been a big misunderstanding here. You know, you guys are good guys, right? I know you want to do what I tell you to do. You want to follow my commands and you want to worship this statue. He says, I'm going to give you another chance. But if you do not worship, then you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And I just, he says, and who is the God who will deliver you out of, your, out of my hands? Basically, he's saying, there's no God. I'm God. I'm the king. So listen to me. You think you'll be saved? You think you're, you're doing something, you know, uh, great by standing up to me? He says, just give up the act. But I love what the three friends say, respond to the king even more. In verses 16 through 18, they say, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. They're saying, I think you've got it reversed. They say, you feel bad for us, but we feel bad for you. Because we know where we're going. Verse 17, he says, they say, if this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. They just have such bold faith. They say, you know what? Our God is the real God. He is the sovereign God, and he will deliver us. He is able, and he will. But then they go on in verse 18, and they say, but if not, be it known to you, O king, and imagine them, they're just looking at the king, and say, even if he doesn't, they say, we're still not going to worship you or bow down to your statue. You can do whatever you want to us, but we will never worship anyone or anything else except for our God. These men, they knew God, they believed in God, and they loved him with all of their hearts. To them, God was realer. Their faith and their salvation was realer, more real, than the things on this earth, than the things that they could physically touch that burning, fiery furnace that was right in front of them. God and their faith in him 
and their faith in eternity with him was more real to them. And so they chose God. They chose eternal life. The lesson that we are to learn from this story is to hold fast to God, no matter what the trial, no matter what the persecution, no matter what the suffering, that, that God is real, that he is with us in our suffering, and that this world is not the end, but that we will spend eternity with him. But the lesson is not that we should hold steadfast to our faith because in the end, God will make everything okay. You know, I, I think sometimes that's what we think because that's what happened in the previous story and also in this story. They go into the fiery furnace and, you know, uh, I don't know if you have ever heard that song, the Hillsong song, there was another in the fire, right? And King Nebuchadnezzar is like, oh, there's another. Oh, man, he looks like an angel of God, right? And they come out, none of their clothes are even burning or singed or anything and they come out, right, you know, kind of like angels. They're like, oh, and they come out and King Nebuchadnezzar, is, you know, you just see that, you know, shock on his face and, you know, he starts to say, oh, he, this is you, the true God, the only God. But the, the lesson that we're to learn here is not that we hold steadfast to our faith because in the end, we'll come out on top. The lesson here is that we hold steadfast to our faith even if we don't come out on top because the reward is not here on this earth, but the reward is in heaven with God. And for us who live in the 21st century, who know the grace given to us through his son, Jesus Christ. Our reward is not the things here on earth. Our reward is Jesus himself. To be with Jesus. We sang the song, the Apostles' Creed. I believe in the resurrection. That one day we will, what, rise again and be with Jesus. And that is our confession, and that is our conviction, and that is the faith that we carry with us. And no matter what happens to us in this world, that we will rise again, and we will spend eternity in heaven with Jesus. And so we are bold. We are bold in proclaiming the gospel. We are bold in defending the gospel because we know that our faith Jesus is more real than even the things here on earth. When speaking of persecution and standing trial, Jesus tells his disciples that the Holy Spirit will give us wisdom and will give us boldness. The Holy Spirit will tell us the things to say. We are reminded that we are able to endure persecution. We are able to be bold and strong, not based on our own bravery, not because we have some strong will, something within us that causes us to do these things. But we have been given the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God himself, who intercedes for us, who protects us, who is with us at all times, who comforts us, and who reminds us of that great reward, that great treasure that we have in heaven in Jesus Christ. And so through persecution, we are able to be bold, and we are able to rejoice. Jesus says, blessed are they who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. And he says, rejoice. When they slander you, when they threaten you, when they persecute you, he says, rejoice. 
I love how Luke says it in the parallel verse in Luke 6, 22 and 23. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for so their fathers did to the prophets. How can we rejoice and as Luke says, leap for joy when we're being persecuted, when we endure trials, when we're enduring suffering? Jesus says, because you know the reward that you will be given to you in heaven, the reward of eternity, eternal life with Jesus Christ. To those who love this world more, Jesus just becomes a another religion, another tradition, maybe a part of a culture. Heaven is far, far away. And it's just a theoretical thing. The world has far greater value than Jesus, our Savior. And so the trials that we endure are hard. They're hard for us. They make us bitter. They make us angry towards God. Yet, for the ones who know Christ, the grace that has been given to us, for those who truly love Christ and look to that day, not when we'll make a million dollars, but look to the day when we will be with him forever. To those who believe in Jesus, our persecution is not hard. It, it's hard, right? It's suffering. Suffering is always hard. But it's not full of bitterness and anger and angst. It is full of joy. We see that in the early church, and this just gets me every time. The apostles, right? There's this big, this just big wave, right? The Pentecost and everything, this big wave. The thousands of people are coming to know Christ. The church, the community is just expanding and growing every day. And the apostles are going to the synagogues. They're going everywhere they can to proclaim and preach this gospel message. And they're always being falsely accused, harassed, threatened, imprisoned, right? And so in Acts chapter 5, it says that the apostles, they're taken in by the Sanhedrin again, and they're being threatened. They're, you know, just all these things are thrown at them. They're falsely imprisoned and all these things. And after they are beaten, threatened, and released, and told never to preach the gospel again, this is what Acts chapter 5, verses 40 through 42 tell us. And when they had called in the apostles, they beat them, they charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day, and you just, you just got to love the apostles. They're beaten and threatened and imprisoned and told not to speak. And then it says they go out and every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. Knowing that they would again be beaten, falsely accused, threatened, imprisoned, and eventually killed. But they did this, the Bible says, in rejoicing. They said, they, it was like a badge of honor for them. They said, we know we are Christians because the world hates us. We, man, do you have any doubt 
Well, I've been imprisoned, I've been threatened, I've been beaten, I've been mocked. For the sake of Jesus, yeah, I think, I think, I think we're Christians. It was like a badge of honor for them. They knew they were Christians because they were persecuted for the name of Christ. And so through persecution, let us glorify God. At the end of the persecution of the three friends, Nebuchadnezzar, as well as the whole land, they praise God as the true God. They glorify God. In the early church, because of the great boldness and the sacrifice of the apostles, thousands upon thousands of people came to know Jesus Christ and he was glorified. Through the persecution of Christians throughout history, Polycarp, Justin Martyr, John Wycliffe, William Tyndale, Richard and Sabina Wormbrand, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and countless others throughout history because they rejoiced in their suffering and rejoiced in their persecution. God was glorified. And now millions and millions and hundreds of millions, they also glorify God. When I was in South Korea, I was able to be a part of a ministry to North Korean refugees. And I remember hearing stories about how, you know, just their hardships in, in North Korea, not even as Christians, just as, as regular citizens, how they made it to South Korea and just in grueling ways and, and, and to come and live a better life, to come and live without oppression or threat of their lives. And I, and I would hear stories of people who would find Christ in South Korea. It's the first time they would hear about Jesus. And they have nothing. But they would cling to Jesus. And then they would go back to where they suffered, to the oppression, because they would have family members who they said, they need to hear this gospel message. And they would go back to preach the gospel message at the risk of their own lives. So Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he says, for it is by these sufferings that they who renounce possessions, fortune, rights, righteousness, honor, and force for the sake of following Christ will be distinguished from the world. The world will be offended at them. And so the disciples will be persecuted for righteousness sake, not recognition, but rejection is the reward they get from the world for their message and works. We ought to be reminded this morning that as Christians, our reward on this earth is rejection. That is what we will get. No matter how hard we try to please this world, as Christians, we will be rejected. But Jesus says that for those who follow him, our reward will be great and eternal life in heaven with him. And so let us gladly deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow him. Let us be distinguished, as Bonifer says, distinguished from this world as Christians, not loving this world, but loving Christ who has overcome this world. And today's 
sermon is not a guilt trip for us to think about how, oh, you know, I'm not following Christ in the right way, or maybe I'm not suffering enough. The sermon today is not to make you feel bad. It's not to make you say, I got to go out and, and find suffering and make myself suffer more. I need to go out and be persecuted more. That's not what, that's not what this is. We recognize that we are, we, we endure these things every day. When you go somewhere and someone gives you a nasty look because you say you follow Christ. When you're treated differently because people know you're a Christian. When you have to give up, as Bonifer says, your possessions or your fortune or even your rights. When you have to give up your honor. These are ways that we honor Christ. But we also recognize at the same time that there are those around the world who suffer a little bit more, who are threatened a little bit more, who need our prayers because they are also our brothers and sisters. So let us hear the word of God. Let us take heart in these examples of great steadfast faith through persecution. Let us be convicted and challenged, but let us also be strengthened and encouraged as we suffer together with the saints all around the world and endure persecution for the sake of Christ together. Let us endure through faith and our love for Christ the false accusations and the blame and the harsh words and the contentious attitudes and the threats and other malicious acts because we love Christ Maybe it's at our work, maybe it's through a relationship, maybe it's in our family, maybe it's on social media, whatever it is. Let us together endure these persecutions, these sufferings alongside our brothers and sisters around the world who, for the sake of Christ, are giving their lives. Let us join by praying together with them. Let us bear with them together their burdens as we think of them and pray for them. Let us weep with them in their sufferings, but let us also rejoice with them that God is giving them the strength to stay steadfast, even in persecution, and hold to Jesus. And let us together glorify God, who has sent his son Jesus Christ, that we may through him, be able to endure all these things because of him and let us stay faithful and true. And may God be glorified through it all.